This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the old sous chef of the garden, Frank Uh, Proctor, saying good morning one and all. And I was just remarking, I used a favorite little word of mine to describe conditions of the wind. Dank. Dank. Just dark and dank. (laughs) And I said it was like a scotch mist, which I think is much, much happier way to explain the weather. That sounds like a nice scotch drink. Exactly. Have a little scotch mist. mist, Well, here we are uh, on a Saturday morning once again. Mm. uh, On a dank Saturday morning. A dank. But (laughs) tomorrow, Santa arrives in Toronto. It's true. That's going to be something special. Always is. Yes, indeed. And we are here to make your day something special. Well, particularly if you have a problem and a uh, delighted... Or you want to hmm? share something good. Yes. We love hearing problems, but we also love hearing oh, um, ideas and you know, yeah. tips and techniques that people and kinda use. It's kind of nice that our operator today is uh, Justin Eacock, who uh, is a, a, a Born burgeoning again. <laughs> gardener himself. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So anyway, all sorts of good stuff happening. If you call in and be part of the show, we would love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Toronto... Here's how you get a hold of Charlie. 416-360-0740. Then anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Our little mantra goes this way. Call early, call often, one question per call. You can always call back in. And if you're a first-time caller, let Justin know. And uh, when you get to the airwaves, you'll hear that just preceding uh, your arrival here. That's your... Your wings. Your garden wings. Yeah. 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 Well, what do you have there, Charlie? Uh, a whole, whole bunch of A couple info? of things going yeah. on. I mean, we're getting close to Christmas, so uh, most of the horticultural societies have probably slowed down with their meetings. But tomorrow, the Toronto Rhododendron Society is hosting their annual general meeting from 12 noon until 4 p.m. at the Toronto Botanical Garden, 777 Lawrence Avenue East, right at Leslie. Two lectures by Betty Ann Addison from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Number one is hybridizing hardy rhodos, and number two, woodland companions for rhododendrons. So if you're interested, obviously everyone is welcome. Um, go on down to the TBG tomorrow for at noon. Now, uh, an annual event that happens also at the Toronto Botanical Gardens is the Holiday Market and Open House. That's happening uh, not this Thursday, but the Thursday after, so Thursday, November 30th, for all day, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., free, open to the public. So it's a big, it's all, the place is all decorated up. Mm -hmm. The gift shop, of course, is open with some very beautiful, funky decor and garden lovers kind of gifts. There is food. There's all kinds of artisans there uh, selling 
some of their homemade foods and honeys and jams and who knows what. There's a, there's quite a few uh, exhibitors going to be there. There's also a complimentary coat and parcel check. So you know the whole thing is just a, a lot of a lot of fun and and quite a beautiful place to hang out. Unique terrariums, for example, home baked treats. Uh, so lots going on. So 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. on November the 30th. Again, open to the public. If you are a member, 10% off in the gift shop. So don't forget that. Okay. All sorts of good stuff. Oh, I have some homework, too. I I, I can get to that maybe after our break. Okay. All right. From last week. Remember Rita. that's right. We had a whole rich batch of homework to do. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll put Charlie to work in just a couple of moments here after we take a wee bit of a break. Here on Zoomer Radio AM 740, the garden show on the air live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the garden show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's take a little trip to a, a spot that Elvis mm. shows up to a lot. <laughs> That's up in the Collingwood area. There's Diane. Good morning. Welcome to the show, Diane. Morning. Good morning, morning Frank and Charlie. Yes, it's a, it is a, a, a November morning. Yeah, you've got it. <laughs> yes, well yes. said. Um, and we have had a little bit of snow. Uh, actually, mm. some of it stayed for a few days. Um, and so everything's kind of uh, looking yucky out in my garden. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wet and muddy. Um, when I started this garden uh, five or six years ago, I called you and you gave me some very good tips on how to build it from nothing in okay. our new home, and it's done extremely well. Good. Good. So the only thing I'm really having a problem with is my Aurora Red Hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. Now, they're um, on the south side of the house, right under the window where I am here, looking out, out to the road. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they... Um, they haven't bloomed a whole lot, and this year two of them didn't bloom at all, and the other one only had a few blooms. Um, but uh, my friend is going to help me with some compost in the spring. Right, probably a good idea. So, yeah, that'll help. But the thing is, I've gotten two conflicting um, remedies uh, or pruning procedures. Mm-hmm. One is, which I have been doing every year, is in the fall I cut them to about, oh, I don't know, 10 or 12 inches high. Okay. Cut them right down, and then they grow back, but they never get as big as I envisioned that they would because they have to start fresh every year. So this year I talked to someone at the garden center where I actually bought them, mm-hmm. and she said, don't trim, don't uh, prune them right back at all. She said, just um, uh, deadhead them, mm-hmm. and um, then they'll you'll have a good start for next spring. However, what's happened now is that uh, now that they've had this cold and wet and snowy stuff, um, they're all wilting and looking, um, you know, like oh. like they're going to die. Oh, well, yeah, don't worry about that. That's The leaves are still hanging and they're just yes. looking quite limp and, yeah, they will eventually fall off. So, okay, so you, you're just wishing that they were a slightly larger shrub when they are doing their thing during the spring and summer right. and fall. So for sure, do, not doing as extreme of cutting back will contribute to a larger shrub. Deadheading will be important. And certainly I do all my hydrangea trimming in the spring. And I base it on live wood versus dead wood. And you can tell in the spring when you look at what, what of course, will be happening in the spring is you'll have all those sticks sticking up out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leaves will have dropped off. The flowers may still be hanging on a little bit by a thread. So you will definitely be cutting out the flowers. Mm-hmm. But the um, when the 
plant starts to grow in the spring, the hydrangeas put out very obvious fat, juicy buds, and they're in pairs along the stems. So you know you're going to cut back to where you see live buds. So anything that's beyond, like, you know, say that right now or when you go out in the spring, the, the branches, the stems are roughly two feet tall. So you see green buds all the way up the stem to about the 18-inch point. That's where you'll cut. You'll cut where you see, you know, just above where you see a a pair of fat, juicy buds. And just make it so that the plant is fairly well balanced so that you don't have sort of an 18-inch stem on one side and a 6-inch stem on the other side. Try and, you know, work with the lowest common denominator so it's balanced. What should I do now? Now, I wouldn't do anything. Leave them alone. Oh, right. Yeah, so in let the them spring, be. cut them down to two feet then? Well, cut them to where, it's, where you see live wood, where you see the live buds. Where I see the live buds yeah, on yeah. each bud. Okay. Yeah. So okay. rather than sort of going down to nine inches, just go take out anything dead, allow what is alive to grow, and they will, as a result, be a larger shrub. Perfect. And oh. compost, a great idea to get some flowers going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want the flowers. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's quite a beautiful oh. hydrangea, for sure. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, these Aurora Reds are very pretty. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Super. Well, thank Good. you so much for your help, and I'll keep listening as I do every Saturday morning. Yeah, All right. right. Let us you. know how you're doing. Okay. I will. Thanks, thank you, Diane. Take yeah. care. Okay, nice to have you with us here on this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, out in Whitby, there would be Ruth. Good morning, Ruth. Welcome to the show. Actually, it's... Oh, oh Josephine. Morning, yeah. Oh, I'm but we're, I guess yeah, we're, hi, Ruth. Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> hi, Charlie. Uh, hi, Frank. Hi. Um, how are you doing? Thank you for call uh, for taking my call. Our pleasure. This is a simple question, and you probably think, "Boy, she doesn't know much about gardening," and that's true. I was given an African violet in May mm-hmm. for Mother's Day from one of my granddaughters, mm-hmm. and it's doing very well, except mm-hmm. it doesn't. Flower. I haven't had any flowers on it. Not even when you got it. Were there flowers? No. Oh, interesting. And it's grow. And the leaves are strong and firm and doing very well. I've only lost uh, two leaves, one tiny one and one a little bit bigger. And other than that, the leaves are just fine. And no flowers. Have you fertilized it at all? No. Okay. So here's what you got to do. Number one, stop being so nice to it. <laughs> so often with African violets, if we take super good care of them, they'll, you'll get lots and lots of leaves. But uh-huh. if you ignore that plant a little bit more and allow it to dry down slightly more than you are in between the waterings, uh-huh. you will find that it'll start flowering. However, I would highly recommend some fertilizer and that you could use at this time of year because African violets, when they're really happy plants, they bloom nonstop. They'll, they're like orchids. They can just bloom all the time. Well, that's so, what I thought. And I used to, I used to do uh, indoor plants mm-hmm. more than I do now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I thought, gee whiz, they always flowered. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with this one? Yeah, I th- I, it's likely a nutrient thing more than anything. Now, one of the, there's a number of different fertilizers out there that are specifically for African violets. Uh-huh. And that's what I would recommend is that you get okay. a hold of, you okay. know, go to a garden center. You've uh-huh. got some there in Whitby. You can swing by and pick up. The one I've used in the past was called Granny's Bloomers. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> okay. and it was like a cute that. one. <laughs> and another one I've used Granny. that I've liked is called Power Caps. Power Caps for African violets. So okay. um, either way, the, whatever's out there, just, you know, pick something up, follow the instructions. When it's time to water, you Use that fertilizer when you're watering and uh, and let the soil become quite dry. Feel the soil bef- before you water again uh-huh. to let it get, you know, not not desert dry, but but quite dry. 
Well, when I water it, I take the water out of our dehumidifier and use that because Good. it's mm-hmm. really clean yep, yep. water. Yep. And I only, I've watered it usually. I check it regularly, and about every two weeks, maybe a little longer before mm. I water it again. Okay, that's yeah. Don't yeah. kill it with kindness. That, yeah. No, that's that's good. I'm glad you're not. Yeah, don't water on the calendar. Water based on what the soil feels like. Right. So that's I great. Stick my finger in and feel it. Yep, exactly. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. I hope I get some flowers. Thank well, you. you. Let <laughs> us know. I, you will though. You will. Yeah. Little okay. fertilizer is going to make all the difference. Keep in touch, Ruth. Thank you very thank much. You. Okay. <laughs> have, a, have a great uh, weekend, and thank you for joining us here on Zoomer Radio. And uh, we're going to be back to uh, say hi to Josephine out in Pickering, a regular caller. Uh, we'll be welcoming to the lines in just moments here on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Now, you'd recognize his voice almost immediately, wouldn't you, Charlie, huh? From Pickering, I would. Josephine. Welcome to the show again, uh, Josephine. Hello there. How are you? Good morning. Great. How are you? Well, it's dull and damp, and what else <laughs> there can you are. we say? Dank, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Frank says. Terrible. <laughs> what I'm calling about are the canna lilies. Mm-hmm. Now, I had bought them very, very late, and I do mean very, very late in the season. Mm-hmm. The season was almost finished. Mm-hmm. I didn't, because I knew I had to pick them up, I didn't plant them in the ground. Okay. Now, I haven't taken them out of the pots. Should I take them out of the pots and store them in a cool place underneath the steps in you know, the basement? <clears throat> leave them in the pots. Leave them in the pots. You don't have to take the them out of the pots. Just put the whole thing underneath the steps. Yeah, and they've been outside, right? Well, they were outside, yes, definitely. And they'd stop blooming, and I stripped them and cut them back with all the leaves and everything. So now it's just dark, uh, cool for the rest of the winter, and then you're going to haul them out into the light around about April or May, early Mm -hmm. April. Get some sunshine, get some light on them, and they'll start growing, and you're ready to put them outside once we're frost-free. Yeah, when I figure out where I'm going to put them. Yeah, yeah, and then, and you, you're right. They are tropical, so either way, you're always going to have to bring them in for the winter if you want them to survive. Definitely. And that's where the pots make it so simple. Just get big. You know, you can leave them in pots. Just put them in bigger pots because can of can of tubers get really big. I know they do. In fact, I see I have two babies coming out of both of them. Yeah, yeah, they're great. No, I love cannas. So okay. yeah, good idea. Just leave them in the pots. Keep life simple. Okay, thank you very much, and have a good weekend. And the same to you. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, uh, let me repeat the phone numbers for you, okay? Uh, In Toronto area, please call 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Off to Cambridge we go, Charlie. And there's Bobby. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this is becoming a habit. I called you a couple of weeks ago about another situation. I have a very sick hibiscus, and I know you covered this some time ago, but my hibiscus wasn't sick then. Mm-hmm. Now it is dying slowly. The leaves have turned uh, yellow mm-hmm. uh, and are falling off. They have spots all over them, as well as the green leaves that have not turned yellow are also speckled quite badly. Mm. I am getting blooms. 
so I don't okay. know what to do now. So, no, so this is a tropical hibiscus that was outside for the summer, was it? Yes, it was. And you, when did you bring it in? Oh, about a month ago. Okay. And it, when you brought it in, it was all green leaves. And since it came in, it's a lot of the older leaves have been turning yellow. And the tips are probably still green. The, the small leaves on the very tips of the branches are green. Yes. And the older yes. leaves have turned yellow. So, yes. you know what? I know you think it's sick, but actually what the hibiscus is doing is it's going through a bit of a shock. When it was outside... It had lots of light when you brought it inside. Even if you've got it in a super sunny window, it's still quite a bit less light than what it was getting when it was outside. So the leaves that grew outside and were happy out there are not happy with the lower light levels. So the plant responds by shedding those leaves and growing new ones, which will be able to photosynthesize quite effectively indoors. Okay, it's not sprouting anything new. It's just they're just falling by handfuls. The, the green leaves. That, no, it's uh, you know what, and and the buds are. It is like you said, there are buds, and the flowers are progressing. So you're getting the flowers. Okay. So yes, I am. because yeah. yes, it's interesting that you're making this call because I brought in uh, my hibiscus. I was a little late, so it, it had been lightly frosted. <clears throat> mm maybe two weeks ago, it currently has probably one leaf on it. It has dropped, like you said, handfuls of leaves. It just The floor covered in leaves. So I'm out there like raking my living room floors because there's so many leaves from the hibiscus, all bright yellow. And, and, but the plant is fine. It really, really is fine. What I'm going to do is I'm going to cut it back because mine got so much of a frost that it actually blew all the buds off at the same time. They all, got, they all dropped. So you've got some buds. You probably don't want to do some pruning or you won't get the flowers. But once it's, all those buds have opened and you don't see any more buds coming, don't hesitate to do some cutting back. In the meantime, only water it when it needs water. Uh, don't worry about fertilizer or anything like that at this time of year. Um, but you will find if you do some cutting back, you will force out some new growth. Um, and oh, okay. just be very, very careful that when there are so few leaves, the plant will not be using water the way you would expect it to. So no water until it you know, really needs water when it's quite dry. And then okay. thorough watering. So oh. the fact that there's black blotches all over the leaves doesn't mean anything? Uh, well, it, the black blotches are actually part of the process of these leaves saying, I give up. This is not a happy oh. time. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I want to go back, uh, back to the earth and new leaves will grow and they will be fine. Okay. You will not have spots okay. on those. Because I, I was looking for aphids and I, I actually sprayed it yeah. in the bathtub yesterday with uh, dish detergent. Okay. Well, <laughs> was, it, it's a good point, you know, keeping, doing a very close look, you know, even with a magnifying glass, make sure that you don't see any evidence of any, you know, little critters that might have come in on it. But, uh, but I wouldn't spray on principle. Just spray if you actually see something there that needs to be oh. annihilated. Oh. But so honestly, I'm visible. sure it's just the plant is responding to lower light levels. Okay. Now, supposing I did see something, you know, down the road. I have a towel underneath it in the tub. Mm. Um, will those, whatever, if there is anything, mm. will they embed themselves in the towel? Like, do I need to take it out, shake it out, and put it through the laundry? Because uh, I have mandevillas in the same room. Right. And I didn't know whether these guys, if there is anybody that doesn't belong, right. 
if they would transfer over to the mandibular. They can, depending if what the insect might be. Some insects are super slow moving. Some are very quick. So, and and they can travel on you, right? You're you're oh. doing your, you know, plant care from one plant to the next plant, and you can certainly carry things with you as you go that's insects are very clever that way they find out all kinds (laughs) of ways exactly they borrow people and animals all the time so um, so yeah don't very good point you know keep an eye always look closely for any kind of infestation something that doesn't belong and if you do see something that doesn't belong then you're right a spray is appropriate and you know keeping the distance between the plants is also a good idea just in case you know in case there is something there that might jump across and dish detergent is okay to spray with if I should Dish it? soap is perfect. Dish detergent will not kill insects. That will oh. give the plant a nice wash. It will also give the insects a nice wash if there are any insects there, but it will not kill them. <laughs> so oh. it's not detergent, it's soap. And if you don't have soap, because sometimes it's hard to get soap, you can buy safer soap, which is all ready to go. Okay, Bob. All right. Oh. That's- Good That's enough. great. Thank you very, Thanks very much. Thanks for calling. Appreciate your help. Thank okay, you, thank Bobby, you. from Cambridge. Okay. Nice to have you here with us on The Garden Show. You know, uh, being the host of a show Monday through Friday from 10 to 11, the Theater of the Mind, yes. I'm always intrigued by anything that has to do with old-time radio, and I occasionally get a, a, a note from uh, the chap who operates a wonderful little shop up there in Palgrave, Ontario, old-time radio shop. Ah. And that's where our next caller is coming from, Palgrave. There's Mary, and, and she is she... a first-time caller. Wings. Yeah. There you go. Welcome, Hi, Mary. Mary. Hi. <laughs> well, you answered a lot of my hibiscus questions, but that's not what I called in for. Okay. <laughs> uh, I called in about a bougainvillea that I bought at the end of the season, and it was supposed to be a hanging in a hanging pot. I didn't want it to hang, so I put some uh, trellis in to go upright, and it has gone upright, and now it's about five and a half feet tall, and wow. I would like to know if I can cut that off, because it's getting much too tall. It, sure, you can cut it. Um, the one reason we sometimes hesitate to cut is if there's buds or flowers on the plant. We no, just... it flowered uh, shortly after I bought it, and it's all done flowering. It's all nice green leaves right now. Perfect, yep, yep. Perfect time. You can cut now. Can I uh, cut off about uh, two feet of it? Yep, you can. You can cut that much back, but um, recognize that you could do a, like a sort of a small pruning now for shape and just for, you know, keeping it safe. And then the best time to really do a, a pruning that's going to set the plant up for the next growing season would be in February or March. When the days are starting to get longer, the plants really okay. respond to a hard pruning and, you know, send out all kinds of new growth at that point. Any pruning you do now, you shouldn't see a ton of new growth, but, you, you know, it, it's fine. You can certainly prune. Whatever you need want, to want it for size right now. Mm-hmm. However, that is, that was meant to be a hanging bougainvillea, yes. so it has one, two, three, four, about five upright yeah. things now. Is it ever going to be look like a, a standing up bougainvillea? Well, they, that's the way they grow. They grow with these long, um, f- like the the stems. Uh, tend to be soft, and that's where that hanging thing comes in. But you can certainly train it, like you said, with a trellis, some little uh, twist ties or whatever. You or you know, actually feeding. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing right yep, now. I've feeding got it through the that go onto the yeah. onto the stakes. Yeah, and and yeah, like do whatever pruning you want to do now, because we're not expecting any flowers at this point. And then if you needed to prune anything else, do that in March. And will those the things that I cut off instead of throwing them out? Can I root them? Do you think you could try? 
It will, they will be slow to grow roots just because of the time of year. But yes, indeed, you can certainly try. Just be, expect that it could take you know, more than a month, might even take as long as two months. That's okay, I'm patient. Get, get some roots. Good. <laughs> Gardeners have to be. A little rooting hormone will speed up. Uh, I rooting. have that. Perfect. So okay. Get That's those, good. Get that Thank happening. Thank you so very much. Perfect. Okay, Mary. Have a good day. Thanks for Thanks calling. for joining us here. And don't be a stranger. The door That's is always right. open here at Welcome the Garden Show. Welcome, Matt. Wait. Well, yes, go just, ahead. <clears throat> my homework. Absolutely. I want to just get this because I, I thought of it when I mentioned safer soap. Right. As, a, as an insecticide, this reminded me that last week Rita called from Richmond Hill. She's indicated that she had moss growing on her paving stones and her walkways. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was getting quite frustrating for her because whenever the moss gets wet, it's very slippery. And she was just like, how do you get rid of it? So, a couple suggestions here. Number one, and I think I mentioned this last week, is if you can do anything to increase the amount of light getting to that area. So, if the walkway is in under a tree or a canopy of a tree, opening that canopy up a bit, maximizing sunlight will always lower the amount of moss that can grow because moss does not, not like bright sunshine. The other thing now, just thinking about sort of things that we have at home we can work with. So pressure washing uh, with a pressure washer and a nice stiff brush uh, can be a way because it's ultimately that's what you're going to have to do. Yeah, is, those pressure washers are amazing. Yeah, lo- yeah, yeah. you can loosen up the moss with the pressure washer. You can also consider mixing up chlorine bleach, half or equal parts water and bleach, put it in a little spritzer bottle, get out there and spritz the bleach and water onto those mossy areas. Again, that brush. Yeah. <laughs> scrape, scrape. Very good sound effect <laughs> Well, I was doing it. Yeah. Better make the sound effect. <laughs> so scraping with our, with our stiff brush. Uh, if you don't want to use bleach, okay, then you could use vinegar, vinegar and water. Uh, even baking soda can be used to try and annihilate moss. So you would put the baking soda on top of the mossy stones, leave the baking soda overnight, get out the next morning, get your stiff brush. (laughs) Now, if you are using the chlorine bleach idea or the vinegar idea and you're spritzing that onto the stones, be very careful you don't spray any of your plants because bleach or vinegar will hurt the plants. Uh, So that's just, you know, be very specific that those sort of things only get onto the, the mossy stones. If all of that, none of that is working and the moss is still happily growing, then you've got to go to your garden center and you've got to pick up a commercial product. And there are commercial products out there, moss removers. One of them is made by Safers. It's called Safers Moss and Algae Killer and Surface Cleaner. So, you know, again, you could always consider buying something. But for now, I'd be inclined to try some of these other things you might just have at home. Well, you've done a fine bit of homework there. There you go. And you're going to be back. Back into that, hopefully, next week. Yeah. Back to school. Back to school. Yeah. I've been one of those striking faculties. So, yeah, yeah. We're, we're being legislated back. Well, uh, I'm happy particularly, well, for everybody. For, for the, the students. students yeah. Boy, that's a long time to I be know. away from the classroom. It is. Okay. And, and they're going to be going like, you expect me in, to remember what you taught me <laughs> yeah. like five weeks ago? I know, exactly. I know. It's going to be a real test. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, well, <laughs> hopefully it comes to an end soon. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break here, but I'll come back and I'll get my uh, bell-ringing arm in good shape for Daniel right here in Toronto after these words. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively 
on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie just witnessed the sous chef of the garden yes. reaching for the bell. There he goes. Hey, there it is. Uh, first time caller, Daniel, online from Toronto. Hi, Daniel. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. First of all, I want to say how much I love your show. Thank you. Very informative, and uh, I just love it. I just love it. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Charlie, uh, uh, I was going to comment on something. Uh, this past summer, I went to the CNE, mm-hmm. and I saw something that really, really made me sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that beautiful, that beautiful centuries-old elm tree was dying of Dutch elm disease, and uh, it's it's. Uh, and I was wondering if anything could have been uh, could have been uh, could have been done to save it. The th- mm. the ch- Okay, so Dutch elm disease, as you recognize, is a disease that kills trees, elm trees, and it is a fungal disease, and the fungus is spread by beetles. So it is possible to try and ward off that Mm -hmm. disease once it's infected a tree if it's caught early enough and obviously the Mm -hmm. money has to be spent so that it's a a pruning job and then it's a fungicide that's actually Mm -hmm. injected Mm -hmm. into the tree. Yeah, this elm tree apparently was one of the oldest, uh, the, uh, the oldest standing Dutch, uh, uh, the oldest standing elm trees uh, in Ontario. It was about, it was over over two hundred years old. Oh wow! And and it survived, uh, it survived uh, all this time, but without, without uh, contracting Dutch elm disease. Huh. But finally, it uh, something happened, and it it succumbed. It, yeah, that's bad. <clears throat> well, it's too bad. I mean, remember as well, trees do have a finite life. Some yeah. trees live hundreds and hundreds of years. Some trees live 10 or 20 years, depending on the genus, yeah. right? So, like, yeah. birch trees are not considered a long-lived tree versus, like, right. a sugar maple, which mm-hmm. lives five times longer than the average birch. Just that's the, right. their genetics. Right. So recognize well, that it's, the you know, the elm. And the, the conditions in Toronto have changed a lot in the last 200 years, 100 years in terms of pollution. And yeah. many trees do not cope well with the kind of air pollution that we now have yeah, so. that wasn't there back when they were planted. Yeah. Well, that's very informative. Uh, uh, I, uh, thanks for your, thanks for the, uh, the, uh, Thanks for the information. I really appreciate it. Ah, my pleasure. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, Call join us anytime. anytime. <laughs> Thank okay, I will. Thank I will. You. Thanks very much. Okay, yeah. you bet. Always nice to hear from the listeners who get to be regular listeners, you know. Mm-hmm. So you get up on a Saturday morning and you can just visualize folks just pouring that first or second cup of coffee. Going, okay, they're on. Let's hear them. Yeah. Click okay. on that radio. Before we go to any more yes, callers, yes. just want to share something that I have had a request to share. Uh, remember that? That famous recipe, the what do we do with our green tomatoes, right? Frost is coming, tomatoes are still there, got to pick them, but they're green. So there's that green tomato jam recipe that I'm going to share with you. It's very simple. You need three cups of green tomatoes, two cups of white sugar, and two packages of either red or black raspberry jello powder. Boil the tomatoes, the sugar, and the jello powder all together for about 20 minutes. Then pour that mixture into nice clean jars. Once it cools off, you can freeze the jam or you can top the jam mm-hmm. with the uh, paraffin wax just to keep it safe and, and obviously store it as long as you need to. But it is an amazing jam. It really, You really mm-hmm. think it's raspberry jam, but it's made with green tomatoes and jello powder. There you go. There you go. It's a great recipe. That's simple. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Off we go. Oh, maybe just around the corner here uh-huh. in Toronto. Yeah. There's Leslie. Good morning, Leslie. Welcome to the show. 
Morning. Morning. Um, I have a question that sort of follows up on what you've been doing, actually. I'm talking about a hibiscus plant, Mm -hmm. many plants, actually, and they got white fly Mm. and really bad infection, and it actually spread to another floor. Mm. Um, What I did, I sprayed them and didn't seem to work, so I put them in a sealed plastic, huge sealed plastic clear bag, Mm -hmm. and they left them in the light. A lot of the white fly died. You could see they were dying. Mm-hmm. I've left them there. It's been about two, three weeks. The plant seems to be okay, generally. My question is, if I just leave them there for a certain period of time, you know, a month or something, will it kill the eggs that are hatching? Well, okay, so there, there's no insecticide in there at all? It's just I did. The... No, I did spray some insecticide. Okay. Soap, and then I went and bought the uh, bug be gone and okay. sprayed that as well. Right. Um, no, not as far as I know. The spray that you sprayed with should have killed on contact any living insects. Right. White fly is a drag though because just like the name sounds like it, it's a white insect that flies, right. and they fly quite quickly. So when you're spraying, they're you know hurriedly trying to get away from that spray so that's where the the plastic bag was probably a good idea because it holds them in into the bag and even if you can get in under the plastic and and do your spraying it's it's going to be an effective way to kill the living insects that that should not uh, have any effect on the eggs though the eggs will need to hatch and but it's a fairly quick hatch it's about a 10-day process for eggs to be laid and hatch so that just means you need to spray again roughly 11 12 days after the first spray which i did okay which i did so i guess my question is how long do i leave them all sealed they are quite sealed mm-hmm. in the bag and i've mm-hmm. sprayed again mm-hmm. um i'm hoping that when the eggs hatch that they too will die. Yes, because there will be some insecticide residue that you're hoping that the insect will run across and will ultimately kill the the insect, particularly when they're young. They're always far more susceptible to the uh, insecticides. So... uh, Will this ultimately work before the hibiscus dies? Because ultimately, the poor hibiscus is going to need to come out of the plastic. Right. Ultimately, it's going to need some carbon dioxide. And right now, there's oxygen building up like crazy inside the plastic bag because that's what the plant is. When it respires, it uses carbon dioxide and it gives off oxygen. So you need to do some kind of gas exchange at some point. Otherwise, the plant will really start to suffer. Um, But... um, White fly is a tough one. One of the ways I have fought with uh, white fly is I have done some pruning on the plant because you'll typically find all those eggs on the tips. Right. The, the youngest growth is where the eggs tend to be laid because that's where the white fly does most of its damage is on the youngest growth, the newest growth. And so some pruning is one of the ways to annihilate, like remove the eggs carefully. <laughs> you know, okay. it, you're bagging and, and, and disposing of any of these pruning bits. You don't keep any of it uh, on the property. And what about in the soil? I thought the eggs were in the soil. Not that I know of. White fly eggs should be on the plant. <clears throat> okay. I mean, yeah, I can double check that. But I, as far as I know, white fly eggs are all plant-based. Okie doke. So, yeah. So what are you going to do? It's working in the plastic bag, but don't leave it like that forever. Uh, I, very soon, within the next week or two max, I'd be getting the plastic bag off. If you still see evidence of eggs, I would do some pruning at that point. 
Okay. Thanks, okay, thank Leslie. You. Appreciate that. Just thought I'd uh, as well pass along uh, Charlie's email in case you want to, you know, not go in the air, but uh, send her a little note with a question. By all means, C. Dobbin, that's D O B B I N, at mzmedia.com. Uh, you are listening to The Gardening Show right here on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And we're going to scamper up to Scarborough next here on the show when we return. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, she is being a a very efficient person with that on-off switch. That's, yeah, you, you've mastered that now, this eh? beautifully. You, you have. Remembering. <laughs> I tell you. Uh, there's Jane in Scarborough. Good morning, Jane. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have an orchid that I bought a year ago, mm-hmm. and I've had these large, beautiful blooms that uh, lasted all year. Well, mm-hmm. new, new, new blooms have come and gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, now all the blooms have fallen off. And although the plant looks very healthy, and happy. Should I change the soil from a from the uh, mossy kind of soil to bark, or should I just keep it in? I would leave it. You know, it's time to transplant an orchid into a larger pot when the, it's just all roots. When the you know the roots oh. are everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, out the top, out the bottom. You know, they're just uh, all over the place. Mm-hmm. I, and, and generally the right time to do that would be in the spring. Because okay. remember, transplanting is stressful on plants. Mm-hmm. And as we're still getting into the, the dark days of winter. So adding two stresses to a plant can, can be a big problem. So wait until we're more into a growth cycle so that the plant can withstand the stress of transplanting if you can. Um, and you probably just still have like the green stem where the flowers were. Yes. Yeah, so leave that alone as long as it's green. If it starts, if it turns brown, it starts turning brown from the tip and works its way all the way down to the the base of the plant. Mm-hmm. At that point, you can cut it out, remove the the brown flower stem. But for now, leave it because sometimes you will get side shoots off of the green stem and end up with more flowers. Uh, and just you're obviously doing something right that the the plant is looking good and strong and healthy. So main thing is is just maintain it as you have been, uh, water as you have been. If you're going to think about transplanting, do that in the spring and consider orchid fertilizer because orchids can bloom year-round uh it does become a nutrient thing for them okay because i uh i was told not to change the soil if there are blooms on it right because when a plant is blooming again that's all its energy is going into creating those flowers when we do transplanting we are expecting the plant to put a whole bunch of energy into root growth so that's why you you will often lose the flowers if you do the transplanting when it's when it is flowering but but i wouldn't be overly concerned and i i how you said you had it about a year, yeah. so I, you're probably good for at least another year, if not, you know, six months to a year before you do any transplanting. Okay, that's, okay, that's great, good okay, stuff. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Um, did you want to deal with an email there, or did, should we uh, take a little call here from Fergus? Let's Shirley, because she has uh, a little tip. I love tips. Okay, let's do this. Hey, Shirley, good morning. Welcome to the show. Oh, good morning. Morning. Anyway, to hide the range, I cut it back. The blooms. Uh, when they're dry now, mm-hmm. 12 inches back, bring it in the house. I buy cans of uh, gold spray paint or whatever oh, you like. Oh, nice. And I spray them 
Mm-hmm. And you've got beautiful blooms all winter. That's a great idea. They do dry beautifully, and then you spray them and make them even prettier. That's great. Oh, Gee, that's great. And I've even got the blooms here from from last year. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a beautiful bouquet for all winter. Wow. We scooted Good you right in here, and stuff. I forgot... God, I've got Here's to get your, your, wings. Your, your wings. You get garden wings to go with your garden, your hydrangea blooms. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for your tip. That's great. And have a good day now. Thank you very yeah, much. You Enjoy your, the weekend. Thank you. Hydrangeas Bye-bye. are a good example of a plant that can easily be brought indoors yep. as a, an indoor blooming, you know, as, a, as a surely said, you know, all winter bouquet. Yeah. Nice. Do we have time for one more caller? If, if, I guess if we go really fast. All right. All right. Pat in Mississauga. Let's see how we do here. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Morning. I'm calling not with a question, just to thank you for the wonderful tip that you gave me a number of years ago, or gave to all of us, to put Christmas cactus outside all summer. Oh, good, yeah. And it just worked so beautifully, and right now I'm so proud of my Christmas cactus. It's just blooming like crazy, and it's absolutely gorgeous, and it's about 10 years old. Nice. And it just seems to really perk up when I put it outside, and I brought it in about 10 days ago. Perfect. So thanks for that great tip, and I really enjoy my Christmas cut. Good for you. you Thanks for letting us know. Okay. I love your show. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, what a a nice call to end on. Exactly. We're going to have to get Pat to get her as a regular, I think, (laughs) call in at the end of every show. Thanks, Pat. Well, I'm (laughs) telling you, this has uh, been a very busy show, particularly (laughs) for you, (laughs) you know, having to jump into the fore uh, with all the answers and uh, (laughs) very only, you know, i got to say that whenever uh, folks ask questions of Charlie, there are very few times that you don't automatically go right to your little noggin and know <laughs> the answer. But you're very up quick on the draw with that computer. You're able to go right right to the source and find the answer, you know? Well, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you just want, you know. Verify. Exactly, you verify. Yeah. You know, I, I know a lot, but nobody knows everything. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot, though. I, I will say that. So sometimes I just like to be absolutely positive that I'm on the right the right track with exactly. whatever information yep. I'm going to share. So the rest of the day, uh, what do you got planned? Well, you're going to buy us breakfast. Yes. Steak and eggs. <laughs> yeah. Dry toast. No, steak yeah, and no, eggs. No. Frank's paying. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that for sure. I'll be back at uh, 1.30 uh-huh. to uh, 3.30 with uh, some really wonderful music. Um, all sorts of uh, great memories oh, wrapped nice. up in music we'll be presenting. And... Uh, and, weird, uh, weird uh, stories too. Oh, good. A little feature that I love to do. Weird stories and Frankie's funny bones yes. too. Yes, I like oh, that yeah. one. I got a good one today. Oh, oh good. Yeah. So I'm I'm up to my you know yin yang in birthdays. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The I'm going to a three year old's birthday party this afternoon, oh, okay. and then I'm off to my dad's birthday party this evening. And it it's an early birthday party for my dad, so we're gonna have another one. One his real birthday. It's Man, just yeah. nonstop. It's had my daughter's birthday party last night. It's woof. Sydney, birthday, my birthday, golly, birthday. Wow. Too many November babies. Yeah, but I love them anyway. So happy birthday to all those November babies, and we will. Uh, yes, thank you, Frank. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Justin. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at nine on Zoomer Radio, the new AM seven forty. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.